Bokatov. Shalom. Good morning. It is a pleasure to be with you today and to just share a little bit about what the Lord has laid on my heart. We're going to tell you a little bit of our story and what we're doing over in Jerusalem now. And then I want to talk with you about time and what you can do with the time you have. So that is the city of Jerusalem. We are the Scots. As he said, my name is Shane Scott. I'm married to Sarah, who's a daughter of Arnie, I'm sorry, Theo and Marge. And uh, it's a pleasure to be here. We have our kids. I'm sure you've heard Anthony. And then Sophia is actually resting. And our young daughter, our eldest daughter, Simone, is back there as well. So I'm going to let a video play that kind of gives an overview of who of we are and what we do. Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> In August of 2008, my wife, our young daughter, and I packed up everything we had and flew over to Jerusalem. We were going over to be principals for a high school in the area. Now this school had just relocated to a new building, so it's going to take some work for us to get it all ready to go. But after meeting with the families, students, and teachers, everything was set and we can get school started. It was great to be back in the classroom. I really enjoyed teaching and interacting with the students, playing chess at lunch, and even had the privilege of coaching the girls' basketball team. I was able to deliver some speeches while I was there and really enjoyed being there at the finish when they crossed that line and completed their high school education. That was then. This is what's happening now. Peace Begins With Me is more than just a model. It actually influences the way these students interact with each other, with their teachers, and the community around them. We've been able to really focus on enhancing the learning and development of what's happening in the classroom because students aren't worried about fights or anything else. We've come to realize that it's hard to really look forward to your future. You're always looking over your shoulder. In August of 2010, we started to look for ways to move school forward. After looking at several different devices that would help us create a blended learning environment, we settled on the iPad. It has accessibility features to help our students who have English as either a second, third, and in some cases, a fourth language. This was the largest deployment of iPads in education in the region at the time and really helped to set us apart from all of our other schools in the area. So not only is peace happening, we're also using technology to really advance these kids. Hi and welcome to some School. The last person you saw, his name is Mustafa. Jafar, and I will talk with you a little bit about him before we get finished. The timer's going, so my time is short. We'll be quick. The next slide that you see is of our family. That is uh, Simone, Anthony, and Sophia. And um, that's why we're there. We're over there. And anyone know that verse from Isaiah, Isaiah 6, 8? Who will go for us and who can we send? I said, here am I, send me. This is what we've decided to do as our call. There's a need that is in Jerusalem right now, and we've been equipped to go and do that. And we feel called to go and serve in the way that we do. You saw from one of the slides and from what we're doing here, we work with a school. You can go on to the next one, please. We work with a school that is a Christian American school. And the majority of the students that we serve are Palestinian Muslims. It's a very unique dynamic. And uh, Howard's just asking me a little bit earlier, so why would a student, why would a family, a Muslim family, choose to send their kids to a Christian school, Christian American school? And it's very simple. We try to make Jesus look good. And he's promised us that if we hold up Yeshua, 
he would draw all people onto him. And that's what we do. One of the things that we're blessed to do in our home is this right here. It's called live stream. It's basically youth group. And we're able to have people. I'm sorry, I can go back. Sorry. Uh, it's a youth group that's open to all faiths. We have Christians. We have Muslims. Uh, we don't have many Jews that are at the school right now. But they come and there's a mini sermon. And then we hang out and just talk about deep issues that the students are going through. And they're able to hear from a Christian perspective about what we do and why we do it. The next slide, Partners for Regional Leadership. We're very focused, and you saw that symbol, peace begins with me. That is the goal of what we do. We understand that the ultimate peacemaker is Yeshua, and that he's the one who brings you first peace within so you can have peace without. We're involved with bringing Israeli and Palestinian youth together to find out about the other. They don't have friends from the other side, and so we try to introduce them to each other so they can be able to interact and learn and be able to develop the relationships that are necessary. This was a really cool experiment that we did. It's called Music in Common, where we found something that they all did well. You see that there's a accordion, flute, guitar, there's drum, and piano on the other side. And so we had students from both an Orthodox Jewish school and from our school, which is a Palestinian, predominantly Muslim school, get together. And they made music. And they were able to write the lyrics, and they also wrote the, um, the arrangement for it, and then performed it together. This was an experience that most of the Orthodox uh, Jews had never interacted with someone else of their age. And many of our students, because of what we do, have interacted with Jews, but not to this extent. It was two days together on campus, just going through and understanding each other. If you want peace to happen, and that's what we're over in the Middle East trying to do, build peace in that region, there must first be reconciliation. There can't be reconciliation without a friendship. There can't be friendship without a relationship. There can't be a relationship without understanding. There can't be understanding without a conversation. There can't be a conversation without vulnerability. But for you to choose to be vulnerable, you first must have peace within. And that again comes from a relationship with Yeshua. And that's what we're focused on. What I want to talk with you about this morning, go to the next slide. We talk about peace. She's absolutely adorable, very, very cute. Um, click to the next one because I want to really get to this so we can go through one more time. This is my life quote. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jim Elliott is a fellow alumnus from Wheaton College. Both my wife and I went to Wheaton. And he said this not too long before he was martyred for his faith. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Now when you think about that, there's really only one thing that none of us can keep. That if we invest wisely, we will have eternal returns on it. It's time. You can't take five minutes from tomorrow to try and use today because you're running out of time today. Nor can you finish early and save ten minutes from today to try and use tomorrow. You must be very strategic about how you allocate and necessarily reallocate the time you've been given. But I want to talk about time more than just the seconds ticking on a clock, which are moving quickly, so I'll speak a little faster. But I want to talk with you about time as an acronym for the letters T-I-M-E, talent, intellect, money, and energy. The first one I want to talk to you about is talent. There's a story in Matthew where we hear of a master who goes away, and he calls three of his servants and said, I'm leaving. I don't know when I'll be back, but I'll be gone for some time. Each of you is getting a talent. 
Some of you getting 10, some of you, one of you getting five, and one of you is getting one. He gave 10 talents to one, and that person took the talents, invested it, and doubled the talents, ended up with 20. The student, I mean, the servant who got five talents invested it, and ended up with another five, doubled it to 10. The person who got the one talent took it and buried it. Now, when the master came back, he called for his servant and said, what have you done with the talents that I've entrusted with you? The first servant came and said, I went ahead and I developed it and I invested it wisely. Now you have 10 more. Second servant came, same story, invested wisely. Now you have five more. Third servant came and said, I know that you would get really mad if I lost it, so I just buried it. I brought it back and here's the talent you gave me. He called the servant wicked, took it from him and gave it to the one with 10. To whom much is given, much will be required. And to whom many people trust, they will trust more. There's a couple things I want us to see about the person with the talents. The one thing they knew and we need to know right off the bat is all the talent that we've been entrusted with is not ours. They knew that. We must know that. All the talent they were entrusted with was to develop and grow the master's kingdom. Period. The other thing is, unlike them, we don't know how much talent we have. We don't know what he's entrusted with us. We know that some of us are very quick. We know that some of us sing well. We know that some of us are able to do things that others can't do. But have we taken the time to invest in that talent? Have we started to develop the master's kingdom by being able to really work with what he's entrusted us to manage? It is not ours. And because it is not ours, we need to be able to give a response and an answer when the owner comes back wanting to know what you've done with the talent he's entrusted you with. The second thing is the eye, the intellect. I'm not certain if I should go in front, so I won't. All right. We want to talk to you about that brain that you have. With things like Duolingo or um, any of the language software that's out there right now, you can be learning another language. We are in a world that is shrinking as it expands. Because of telecommunication, because of the internet, I can pick up my phone right now and call someone in Jerusalem and have a conversation. I can FaceTime and they can see me and they can see all of you if we wanted to. The world has shrunk. How are we going to have a conversation with people where we only expect them to speak in English? Someone who speaks many languages, we call them a polyglot. Someone speaks two or three languages, bilingual, multilingual. Someone speaks one language, we often call them American. <laughs> you are now in a position, the world is growing, the world is coming to America, and we can't have a conversation with them. How are we going to tell them about Yeshua if we can't speak to them? This is just one of the aspects of the intellect. I'm at a school where many kids, English is their third language. I've worked with students where English is their fifth language that they speak fluently, read fluently, and can go ahead and write in it. Now, we're not just talking about everything is going left or right. We're talking about Hebrew, Arabic, English, Romanian, which uses a Cyrillic language, I mean, um, alphabet, and also Italian. That's one kid. I had an Asian student, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, both Mandarin and um, Cantonese, first Chinese, Hebrew and Arabic. How many languages do you speak? 
How are you supposed to tell the world about Yeshua if you can't talk with them? What are you doing with the time you have? Money. Money is not the root of all evil, but the love of it is. Money is a wonderful servant, but a horrible master. It is not just about what is in your bank account that I'm talking about here, or how big your house is, or the car you drive, or the job that you have. But what can you influence for the kingdom? What material access can you gain or can you direct to help grow the master's kingdom? That's what this is all about. The only reason we are here is to lift Jesus up so other people will be attracted to him. If we hold Yeshua up, if we present him to the world for the amazing, wonderful, vibrant, living Savior that he is, he will simply draw all people onto him. He's told us that. He's promised us that. What can you do with your money? I'm sorry. What can you do with the money that you've been instructed to manage? None of this is yours. It's been entrusted to you to use wisely. Living with margin allows you to invest in the kingdom. If you are maxed out, you have no margin to invest in the kingdom. Where there's a need, you can't fill it because you try to take care of all of your wants. It's credited to Mahatma Gandhi that said, the world has more than enough for everyone's need, but not nearly enough for everyone's greed. What are you doing with the time you have? The last one, as my time draws to an end. Energy. It's been said that Youth is wasted on the young. They have all this energy and they have no idea what to do with it. They have no experience. They don't understand. You know, you see people, like I have my son. He is a ball of energy. And sometimes I'm like, Anthony, I'm tired. Come, Daddy, I want to play. I'm like, Anthony, I'm tired. What would we do if we knew how much energy we had? I was driving over here with Theo, and he told me a story of someone who was 39, died from a heart attack. Tomorrow is not promised, period. What are you doing for the Lord today? Now, a lot of times when we hear energy, we automatically think of things that are young and new and stuff like that. But I used to run. I used to be in track. Some of you run. Some of you run marathons. Some of you run distant runs. But what do we do when we're running a race? How do we finish the race? We're like, oh, we're about to finish. Let me start walking. Is that how we finish a race? When we see the end approaching, what do we start to do? We speed up. We kick it in. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of us who've been here a little bit longer, the end is near. This is not the time that we coast. This is not the time we put it into cruise control. This is when we kick, especially as we see the day approaching. This is when, with the energy we have left, while we're still here in our right minds, can walk and talk, can understand, be able to communicate, to give a hug, to give a smile, we should be kicking through the tape. And none of us know when that tape is coming. None of those servants knew when the master was coming back. None of us know when our master is coming back but he's coming. What you will be doing, what will you be doing with the time you have? 
Because when this is all said and done, when we think about where Yeshua was, yes, he went to the synagogue. Yes, he was speaking with the leaders, the religious leaders of the time. But a lot of his time was spent where? Where the people needed him. The doctor doesn't go to those who are well. He goes to those who are sick and who need him. This is what I'm calling and challenging you to do today. What will you do with the time you have, with the talent, with the intellect, with the money, with the energy that you've been entrusted to manage? How will you strategically reallocate that to build and grow the master's kingdom? And I'm telling you now, if you don't have friends, people who call you friend, who don't know Yeshua, you need to find some new friends. You need to be around people who need to know who he is, who need to see the difference he makes in someone's life. That's the best and most strategic way you can use your time is to make sure that Jesus looks good and draws people onto him. When we're over in Jerusalem, the reason why we're there is because I have been entrusted with time when it comes to education. I understand how to do that. I understand how to recruit teachers, how to develop a school, how to grow and train those teachers. I do that so that the other people who are there, who have a ministry to serve and to evangelize, can go and do what they've been called to do with the time that they've been entrusted with. Quick story as we wrap up. Over in Jerusalem, I work with a man who started the school called Ross Byers. And his whole goal when he went to the region almost 35 years ago was to evangelize and to build churches and to build the church, to build other people. So he works with villages and among the Arab culture and Arab Palestinians. He works with villages out by Ramallah. And a group that he was working with was one day out in a village giving out Bibles. These are Bibles that have been translated into Arabic. I've had the privilege to go and see where we store them up in Haifa. And now they're going around to these villages. One of the sheikhs from the villages came up, took the Bible, ripped it, and threw it in the air. As soon as he threw it in the air, his hand went down paralyzed. Of course, he's freaking out, going, I don't know what happened, what's going on below. Now, as it is culturally, whenever someone who's of prominence in a neighborhood, if there's a death, if there's someone sick, the other elders in that village will go and sit at their house. If you think about it in Jewish tradition, if someone passes, you go and you sit shiva with them as well. So they're sitting around the front of his house. He's in there and he's all distressed. One of the other leaders from the group calls back to the one who's over that region. This is one of the MBBs, Muslim background believer. He calls back and says, I don't know what happened, but this guy tore up a Bible and his hand went paralyzed. You got to come over here because now they're starting getting upset with us. So the leader comes over and he goes to the house where he finds the elders of the village there. And before he goes in, he asks the question. I have two minutes, so I'm wrapping up right now. Before he goes in, he asks the question, have you ever heard of someone tearing up the Quran and their hand going limp? And of course they all say no, because it's never happened. So he walks into the house and he's talking with the man. He's like, and the man's distressed because his arm is completely paralyzed. And he sits down with him and says, I'll pray for you. In the name of Yeshua, if you believe that he is the one who can have power over this. He goes, whatever, I just need, no, no, no. I tore the Bible, blah, blah, blah. He goes, that is the only way I'm going to pray for you to be healed, is you have to believe. Accept that Yeshua is over this. 
So they're wrestling, spiritual warfare, they're praying, they're talking through, all of this happening, and find the man chooses to accept Yeshua. The leader prays for him, instantaneously his hand is back. Now, they're of a faith that if we get, if we choose Yeshua right then, we want to also get baptized and declare it to the world, all right, immersed. And so the leader's like, okay, there's your bathtub, let's just do it right now. He goes, fill it up, and the man says, no. We're not doing it that way. And the man's like, but I thought you said you chose. I did choose him. But I tore up that Bible in front of everybody in that village. I'm getting baptized in front of everybody in the village. So now he goes back out to the center of the village. And there's not a pool. But in that region of the world, we have a lot of water tanks on top of the buildings. Because water could stop running at any time. So there happened, just happened to be one that was down with the top cut off. There's no hose that's running over there because there's no hoses outside homes. So people are bringing pails, bringing cups, bringing everything to fill this up to the point where he can be baptized. He gets baptized, and we're still on the same day. He gets out, and he starts handing out the Bibles. And when the Bibles are all gone, he takes the New Testaments, he starts handing out those. The way that I am using my time is to make sure that the school runs the way it needs to so that Ross and others who are called to be in that form of ministry can be invested in their time that way. When you choose to support us and what we're doing over there, know that your small donation here is having a large kingdom impact over there. Thank you very, very much for the time that you've given me, and I will end by asking you again, what will you do for the time you have?